Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Before 2015, relatively few people had ever heard the word intersectionality, even though it was first coined in 1989 as a legal term to describe intersecting areas of discrimination. But today, it's neither obscure nor uncontroversial. In some circles, it's a politically polarizing buzzword. So how did this happen? Let's start at the beginning. The term intersectionality was first coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, a lawyer, law professor, and civil rights activist. In 1989, she wrote an influential paper that identified a glaring hole in anti-discrimination law. The law recognized categories such as racial discrimination and gender discrimination, 
but was blind to the situations in which two or more of those categories overlapped. Take the case of DeGraffenreid versus General Motors, which Crenshaw cited in a 2016 TED Talk as an example of where the law fell short of delivering justice. In this case, a black woman named Emma DeGraffenreid was denied a job at a local car manufacturing plant, and she sued on the basis of discrimination. The judge threw out the case, citing that the plant had a record of hiring both black people and women, so she had no grounds to sue. But, Crenshaw argues, the judge missed the point. Yes, the plant hired black people, but those were all black men hired for industrial or maintenance work. And yes, the plant hired women, but those were white women who worked as secretaries. But black women didn't fit into either of those narrow hiring categories, so they were effectively barred from employment at the plant. Since there wasn't a word yet for this overlapping of identities that combined to form new hybrid categories of discrimination, Crenshaw invented one, and she called it intersectionality. We spoke with Crenshaw, and she said, Intersectionality was a prism to bring to light dynamics within discrimination law that weren't being appreciated by the courts. In particular, courts seemed to think that race discrimination was what happened to all black people across gender, and sex discrimination was what happened to all women. And if that is your framework, of course, what happens to black women and other women of color is going to be difficult to see. So, in its original sense, Intersectionality was a legal framework for seeing people whose identities and lived experiences are more complex and who deserve equal treatment under the law. Starting in the 1990s, academics began incorporating intersectionality theory into the social sciences. Up until that point, there was a tendency to study the experiences of different racial, ethnic, or religious groups as homogenous blocks. We also spoke with Mary Romero, professor of justice studies and social inquiry at Arizona State University. She said, the essentialist approach said that all Latinos are like this, without considering that there are all of these intersections of age, citizenship, sexuality, and disability, so there's not a monolithic experience. By examining the specific experiences of Latinx people who are LGBTQ, undocumented, rich, and poor, social scientists came up with data that could be used to inform important public policy decisions, like immigration. Romero said, if we're going to look at immigration policy and see the ways in which it needs to be changed, we have to take into consideration all the various conditions. The argument would be, if you want to be inclusive and you want to be just, the policy has to exist without privileging one group over another. Crenshaw may not have invented the word intersectionality as a call for social justice, but even she has come to see it that way. In her TED Talk, Crenshaw spoke about violence perpetrated against Black women and how this violence is often invisible in the national discussion about implicit racial bias and policing. She asked why Michael Brown and Tamir Rice were household names, but not Michelle Cusseau or Tanisha Anderson, two unarmed Black women also killed by police. Again, Crenshaw explained how intersectionality provides a prism or frame in which to see people whose experiences are often overlooked. She said, without frames that allow us to see how social problems impact all the members of a targeted group, many will fall through the cracks of our movements, left to suffer in virtual isolation. The idea of intersectionality has been taken up by a lot of progressive organizations fighting for social equity and social justice. 
there's a growing recognition that not all of the members of an activist group fall into the same tidy categories or share the same experiences in the world. At YW Boston, a community organization that grew out of one of the nation's oldest chapters of YWCA, they say that intersectionality is crucial to social equity work. One post on their blog explains, quote, without an intersectional lens, events and movements that aim to address injustice towards one group may end up perpetuating systems of inequities toward other groups. As an example, it cited the 2017 Women's March, which caught flack from transgender members of the movement because of its vagina-centric messaging. Some slogans chanted or written on signs or t-shirts or online focused on the vagina. Further, some people both inside and outside of the march interpreted the pink hats that many protesters wore as representing female outer genitalia. YW Boston wrote, Assuming that all women have vaginas or are defined by their bodies is an oversimplification that erases the experience of those who exist beyond the gender binary. By avoiding language that assumes our own experiences are baseline, we can open ourselves up to listening to others' points of view. The embrace of intersectionality by the left has led to a backlash on the right. Critics of intersectionality don't see it as a way of including or seeing a broader diversity of experiences, but as a type of political correctness on steroids. As conservative pundits like Ben Shapiro see it, the goal of intersectionality is to pit people against each other in a kind of oppression Olympics. He said in a video, intersectionality is a form of identity politics in which the value of your opinion depends on how many victim groups you belong to. At the bottom of the totem pole is the person everybody loves to hate, the straight white male. The more memberships you can claim in oppressed groups, the more aggrieved you are and the higher you rank. Conservative writer Andrew Sullivan called intersectionality a new religion imposed on liberal college campuses. He wrote, Intersectionality's version of original sin is the power of some identity groups over others. To overcome this sin, you first need to confess, i.e. check your privilege, and subsequently live your life and order your thoughts in a way that keeps this sin at bay. He says that the result of this is that anyone not sufficiently, quote, woke, is shunned and their voice silenced. Romero at Arizona State says that both campus activists and their critics often miss the point of intersectionality. Romero says that she's definitely had students who misuse it as a way of separating the oppressed from the oppressors. Romero said, I've always corrected them by using myself as an example. There are times when I'm disadvantaged and other times when I have advantages over other people. It's very rare to find somebody who has absolutely no advantages in any situation. Romero explains that the target of intersectionality shouldn't be an individual person, but the structure in which that individual lives, works, or studies. Is the structure designed to allow only one type of person to succeed, or does it give everyone equal access? Seen that way, even the straight white male, who Shapiro says is vilified, benefits from some of those intersectional policies. For example, a straight white male who comes from a low-income family, or one who has a learning disability, or a disorder like ADHD or PTSD. Romero said, what's the white male's age, their class, their citizenship? As we get older, for example, we have certain structural disadvantages that we share with people who are disabled. In the most just and equitable version of our world, we all hope that there would be policies and institutions in place 
that see us in the various circumstances of our lives and give us all a fair crack at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Today's episode was written by Dave Ruse and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.